This episode is brought to you by Selby Anderson, the marketing group that helps businesses in complex markets win the future. Welcome back to Unicorny, the antidote to post-rationalized business books. This is the podcast for senior executives who want to find out how other businesses are building value through marketing. Last week on Unicorny, I was joined by co-host Samantha Losi, Managing Director of multi-award-winning comms consultancy Unity, and we interviewed Jordan Gillett and Lauren Berkemeyer from ULife, and together we talked about how to build a data-driven growth machine. In our conversation, Jordan and Lauren detailed how they designed their growth machine, how they use the model, the tech that supports it, and the data it delivers to ensure relevance. We also discussed the double-edged sword of tracking, and the guests explained why being agile is key if you want to thrive over the next 12 months. Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. It's a belter. Given all that's happening in the world right now, the only thing business leaders and companies are dead certain of is that the period of great uncertainty is far from over. We all know what happened three years ago, so we don't need to mention the dreaded P word. And by the way, that P isn't politics. <sighs> yeah, okay. Look, this is not a politics show, so we're also not going to talk about Downing Street, Europe, or anything beyond that either. But what we are going to say is that across all sectors right now, businesses are getting leaner, belts are being tightened, and revenues are shrinking. But it doesn't mean that it has to happen to you. So if you work in the tech B2B, or better yet, if you're a founder or an MD, you're going to want to turn up the volume on this one. You're going to want to perk your ears up, because we're going to dive into how to scale your business right here and right now. And we're going to do it with one of the shining stars of B2B marketing. Joining me as co-host today is the human Google of strategy, Adam Greener from Digital Radish. He'll already be familiar to you if you are a dedicated unicorner, but if you need a quick refresh, Adam is Associate Director at Digital Radish, a multi-award winning marketing and ABM agency that specializes in working with and high growth B2B businesses. And together, we're going to be interviewing John Watton. Now, previously, John was Senior Director for Global Marketing at Adobe. He was also Director of Global Marketing for Expedia. He's worked for the Octopus Group, Microsoft. You know, I could continue with his resume. I mean, he's literally been there and done it. The present day, no exception. Currently, John is VP of Marketing for VMware, Goliath, an American cloud computing and virtualization tech company. They're a leading provider of multi-cloud services for apps, enabling digital innovation with enterprise control. Their revenue is in the billions and they are at the forefront of the digital frontier. So John knows his onions when it comes to marketing and scaling a business. And that's what we're going to dive right into. We're going to talk about what you need to think about when building an integrated revenue generation engine. We talk about the pros and cons of first and third party data when building one too. We also talk about the importance of place in marketing and later in the show you'll hear us discuss what's happening in the talent market right now and what kind of talent you need in hungry and innovative marketing team today this show was recorded on the 18th of november 2022 now let's get stuck in Hi, John. Welcome to Unicorny. Why don't you please introduce yourself to the Unicorny audience? I'm VP of Marketing for Europe, Middle East and Africa for VMware. I've had a career now in B2B 
marketing. I've been lucky enough to work at a number of exciting and progressive companies, many known to many people like Microsoft, Oracle, Adobe, SAP, and also some smaller businesses trying to create new categories or, or do things differently in maybe more uh, niche sectors. So yeah, at VMware, I look after the European marketing. That's a team of about 100 people uh, across the region. It's all corners of EMEA. Uh, so from sub-Saharan Africa through to Eastern Europe and everything in between, driving effectively awareness for VMware and also for building demand for VMware. So delighted to be here. I'm very excited by what you're bringing to the Unicorny project. Uh, We've talked around some of the issues with fast scaling businesses before, but we've not actually addressed how to scale so directly. And when we were discussing this episode on our first meeting, I was really quite taken with your observation that marketing teams haven't been great at actually integrating the marketing activities, about thinking about customer journeys, about running integrated programs. They've mainly focused instead on like great quality standalone activities. And many of those have been events. So to me, the past sounds kind of a little stop start. What do you think a better future looks like? Yeah, absolutely. What I found with B2B marketing teams is they have been really good, as you say, at uh, execution. So that is typically the skills that we've been looking for in the past. I think one of the things that's really critical now for marketing teams is to effectively forward fill their organization with the right talent to take them to the next phase. So what we did in the past is not necessarily what we need to do with the future. And I think what has driven the change and the need is a number of things that happened over the last five to 10 years. Going back a little while, for example, data wasn't so accessible for us in marketing. So it was very hard for us to measure a lot of what we did. So we went on really a quality and execution kind of measurement where, you know, we felt we got to the right audience telling the right story, but there was no real objective way to measure that. That's all changed, as we know. Data is coming out of our ears now. We can measure everything. We can measure anything. And probably now the question is, what should we measure and what should we focus on? That's the kind of the first thing. So I think the other thing that has happened, and probably more importantly, is our customers themselves are changing the way that they interact with us. So they are definitely creating a more complex uh, buyer journey. They're dealing with us on different touch points. They're more comfortable now dealing in social, in digital, and probably more importantly, they're looking for more of a self-service experience. So they don't want to necessarily talk to someone from your company anymore. They'd rather drive some of their experience themselves. They want a low touch or no touch experience. And also they have infinite information at their fingertips, which they can get to in milliseconds. So they can also find out what they need without having to talk to the organization, which means that we need to think more about the complete customer journey and how we you know, deliver that great customer experience. And so as a result in marketing, we need those sorts of skills to drive the future forward. We've been talking about marketing, but I know that you have a background in building what we call the revenue engine. So that's where we look at sales and marketing and product. What do you think that looks like moving into the future yeah. when we're thinking about the customer as the central focus, but at the same time, that's quite an internal looking yeah. thing. Well, you know, those old adages that we've all grown up with are still true today in this digital and social age. So it is about understanding the customer. You always need to think about, you know, what is it the customer needs, not what we want to do as a business. And the other old adage as well is, you know, marketing is the voice of the customer. And I think in this execution kind of mode where we'd be doing brilliant things and trying to connect with customers, you know, pre-pandemic, mostly physical events, but I think we've really evolved and accelerated the evolution the last few years. We, we 
we've kind of divested that responsibility and just focus on execution, it's it's now time for us to grab that back. So I think absolutely we can bring a, a lot of the understanding of the customer into the business and being the glue between not only what we do in terms of building awareness and, and, and helping prospective organizations understand the value of what we do, but also connecting that to products as well. And, you know, we've probably focused too much on the one P of promotion and, uh, you know, the kind of Marcom side of it. And, and there is a bigger part that we need to think about in terms of the place, but also the pricing, the packaging and so on. So I think these are all things that we have the opportunity now with data. We have so much insight in terms of customer behavior now, more than many any other functions because you know in some companies I've been at the product is our marketing right because you know as you move to a software as a service you're getting a better understanding of how customers use your product what features are being utilized what they don't like you know purely by behavior and then you can feed that back into the organization so definitely I think there's a strong opportunity for us to come together as a growth and the glue for a business and back to those building blocks that's founded on good data insights if I were creating a marketing team from scratch the first function I would hire is marketing operations and someone who can drive the data and insights that would be the first so if we're building a revenue generation engine step one get a decent mops person in now they're going to be obviously looking at data because they're going to have insights not ideas where are they getting their data from is that all first party or if you were building from scratch would you be buying in some third party is you want to build a revenue generation engine after mops what comes next firstly you know it depends on the situation i mean you need to build up your first party data understanding your customer you need a customer data platform right so you need some kind of cdp you know you that may be a combination of your crm you know 99 percent of the time that's salesforce and or plus a, a marketing automation platform and so you know th- those two together can be a good start to get some sort of basic insight i'm not saying just uh, <laughs> just hire a mops person <laughs> but that would be my pivotal role because those skills are really hard to find and, and and that's 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 a critical hire around that then i would you know i would have content and then some activation capability typically it works the other way a lot of organizations think about we need an events person we need an email marketing person so they think about activation first and then maybe think about content a bit further down the line and then oh you know, we need some you know, operations and some insights so it's the other way around third party data i mean obviously that's getting harder and harder to access that. So that will give you more wider insight, especially if you're, you know, you only have your universe of data in your in your operations platform. So, of course, you're trying to, you know, uh, reach to audiences that you don't know. So third-party data obviously helps with that. And the way you acquire third-party data, you know, typically is through partnership and, and so on. And you're working with third-party events and activities as well to bring that in. So, yeah, it's always a mix, I think, of first and third-party data. If we think of Revenue Engine, and of course part of that is about how you then scale, have you ever worked with multidisciplinary teams? Where I'm coming from here is, do you ever have sales, product, marketing working together in a scrum, for instance? And I'm thinking here about where I would come from. It's almost front to back transformation within your organizations mm. which is the insight is about the customer it's at the front mm. but then you take that right into the the back the heart of your company which mm. is the operations and this is a big question but it, it's whether or not you feel that nowadays not only 
is marketing potentially going to lead? But do you feel that there is a structural change needed within your business in general to enable that to happen in the way that you work and then the processes that you take forward? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you look at how marketing is structured in many organizations I've been in and marketing isn't isn't a single definition, right? For example, some organizations, they have product marketing in marketing. In a lot of organizations, it's in the product group. So the product marketing sits in the product group and then other functions as well, communication and so on. So no marketing team is uh, is equal. We definitely work with sales and, and product in terms of the whole go-to-market, right? So uh, as you say, whether or not we own it in a sort of industrial age kind of hierarchy or whether we virtually team together, uh, we do work together to think about bringing those insights into the interaction. So we've changed the way we should go to market and our routes to market, channel, direct, uh, low touch, no touch, running trials, all those sorts of you know interactions, thinking about pricing and packaging as well. We've brought you know sales and product together under discussions. We may not set the product price in the organization I've been in, but we have worked together on that problem. And then we take away the bits that we execute and uh, and, and products and sales kind of executing their thing. So definitely success is about teaming. And I've seen that change, right? Marketing used to be like just the sort of outbound communications, crayons and crowns type your team. Now it's very much, you know, in that discussion. I think John's response really highlights the growing importance of marketing in B2B. Last week on the show, we spoke to Jordan and Lauren from ULife, and, and, and they pointed out how marketing's becoming influential across all other strands of a B2B business, like sales or product. Kind of in a way it hasn't before, even if it should have. You need to integrate your marketing team's insight and creativity right throughout your business, because marketing is the most adaptive and agile part of your business. So in periods of uncertainty, when you want those traits throughout your wider team, the key might be your marketing people. This episode is sponsored by Selby Anderson, the agency group that helps businesses operating in complex markets win the future. Selby Anderson's agencies serve global clients in financial services, enterprise tech, channel, industry, utilities, pharmaceutical and biotech. If you want to win the future, Find out more at selvianderson.com. You're listening to Unicorny with Dom Hawes, powered by Selby Anderson, the marketing group that helps complex businesses win the future. Coming up, we discuss whether marketing has more of an influence on the customer's lifetime value than before. We also get into the trenches to talk about the war for talent. And I asked John what characteristics he looks for when hiring a marketer. But first, let's get stuck into the importance of place in marketing. Take a listen. In the discussions and networks in which I mix, one of the most overlooked areas of the marketing mix is place. And we've already covered that a little bit. In the first season, we spoke to Adam Morgan about place because his business, Premium Credit, is highly regulated and 100% intermediated. Well, that's their strategy. As a product vendor, place is also a strategic option, one you need to outline before you can build your revenue generation engine because how you bring a product to market can affect all of the other P's, product, price, and promotion. John, you've been at the helm of two big channel transformations. At Adobe, when you went direct, 
and now at VMware, where you're rebuilding channel. Before digging into the detail, what do you think the strategic considerations are when you're planning getting a product or service to market? Adobe was a great example of recognizing that we needed to innovate to stay up with or stay ahead of the market at the time when we were providing software in boxes on the consumer side. Uh, It also happened on the the business side. And then, you know, bringing out new product releases every year or two years. So the consideration was, how do we make it easier for the customer to firstly access our product? And secondly, to get access to ongoing innovation so that we can innovate our product? Because the market at that point, this is 2012, was accelerating, right? As, As more and more creative solutions in the Adobe world were, were being you know, provided online. So there was a strategic imperative to really take back our kind of market leadership and make it a lot easier for the customer. So that's that's one consideration is, are you making it easy for your customers to benefit from all your technology investment? And so that required Adobe to move direct and to change the software provisioning model to software as a service and then change the commercial model to be subscription versus every year you know you buy a copy of photoshop it's 800 pounds and it's a new version next year and it's another 800 pounds and, and so on and so forth and you know that that's tough right because no one's going to like it the commercial model changes uh, so the customer is you know getting to grips with subscriptions which i think to be honest now in 2022 i think everyone's kind of up to speed with subscriptions but still it's challenging and, and we're experiencing the same thing at vmware we're moving from you know a classic licensing to a subscription model there's always questions and, and challenges and it's the same with adobe but adobe uh, disintermediated the channel so those boxes went through stores or went through distributors and and that was very challenging. But what it is about, it's about different partnerships. So we had purely distribution and reach partnerships. And in the online direct world, you don't need that, that scale of partners to help you with your reach. So what we work with those partners with then is, you know, how do you provide other value to the customer? So typically that's around services and adding in other things and providing local services support as, as well. So that's a consideration. It's it's value to the customer. It's how do you get innovation there quickly and how do you better service you know the customer uh, for their requirements. And at uh, a VMware, we're going through a similar thing right now. We are moving to a subscription model. We're moving to a software as a service model. We historically have provided technology products in data centers, and now we're moving to providing technology products across clouds. And so, again, customers want to see rapid innovation in that space, so we we have to change our model. So there's those considerations, you know, to think about the route to market. And, you know, some businesses have been very traditionally distribution, you know, experienced and and, and some haven't. So th- that's the first thing. And I think it's also about choice. I mean, for us, we have a direct sales organization. We have a partner community. We have systems integrators. We partner with the big hyperscalers. We partner with other ISVs, other software providers. And, you know, our customers don't want to just have to deal with VMware directly all the time. They have relationships and and partnerships that they would like to leverage. So for us, it's a combination, again, of adding value to the customer. But again, from our point of view, it it is about leveraging those great businesses to provide them value for their own commercial organizations and and extending our reach to those partnerships. You know know what springs to mind here, actually, and this is is an old book, but I still think it's genius, is um, Jeffrey Moore's Crossing the Chasm. Yes. 
where he talked about the importance of whole product, actually thinking about your product from the customer's point of view and what are the service and product mix, mm. that, what is the mix they need to extract best value from the product. And as you're talking about like the transition you're going through with VMware right now, you know, it, it strike, you know I'm, I'm hearing more in my ears going, this is a whole product um, yeah. situation. Yeah. Don't you like it that that book that was published, what, in 99 is still valid today? Amazing, isn't it? You know, it's great. And so, yeah, it it is about that. And, you know, a lot of organizations, as things have got more complex and as, you know, the way in which we build our products and connect with our customers has, has got more complex as well. We've kind of built a lot of expertise in silos and now it's all coming back together. So these things were kind of thought about independently, you know, kind of promotion, price, packaging, the product, the you know, the innovation. And they're out now coming back together because we're having a single experience with a customer that we can see. And, you know, marketing's evolving as well. And I think that's really interesting. A lot of marketing organizations and ones that I've been involved in have been purely about acquisition, right? Can we, you know, it's a land grab. I've been, I'm in high growth software businesses for most of my life. It's how quickly can we, you know, get those customers into our franchise as it were, and then show them the value ahead of our competition because things are moving fast. Now uh, it's more about the the fuller customer life cycle and and understanding the product as well, because it's not just great. We sign someone up with, are they getting the value? We don't recognize commercially the value until they utilize the product. Um, So annual recurring revenue is the big measure for software businesses. So it doesn't matter that, you know, we sold 5 million of software. If they don't use any of it, it doesn't get recognized under sort of SaaS infrastructure. So we have to think about, are they getting the value? Are they using it? And will they renew as well? Because it's a three-year subscription or an annual subscription, or they can cancel the subscription like we all can for Netflix. So it's whole product and whole life cycle as well. So it's those two things together, absolutely. Do you feel, therefore, that marketing now has far more of an influence on the actual lifetime value of a customer than it ever did before? Yes, because, you know, depending on where you are, the role of marketing is, is stepping more into as I say, that motion of in-product value sharing. So, you know, we've all seen it. Um, Have you tried this feature? Have you tried that function? It's a bit like the Amazon recommendation engine. People have bought this, bought that. It's a bit like that in in whatever product, whether you're making IT management software, CRM software, creative software. Now, you know, we're trying to get the users to understand all these things that they, they, they haven't used before. I mean, most software in my career, has typically been used to like 5 or 10% of its maximum potential, right? People don't use all the capability of, of the solution. Now we have this really exciting opportunity to at least make that aware within real time to the customer. And that's a marketing thing. Now, we at VMware have been looking at like the low-touch motion, moving to the classic try before you buy, trial, and then all of the nurturing from free to paid. So you've tried it, you've liked it now sign up. That started as a marketing initiative where we had marketing working to to drive that as kind of a classic marketing, let's call it campaign. It's now developed into more of a product management thing. And the team who have done that are actually now working in our uh, CTO office, working with you know the product strategy and the product management group and leading that discussion. So it's a great illustration of how marketing's role has transformed to be much more leading the thinking about the product versus running campaigns and promotions. And this is almost about the product itself also becomes a channel for engagement. Yeah. I mean, my CMO at Adobe always said, 
you know, the product is your marketing or marketing is the product. You don't need to go out and do, you know, necessarily some of the campaigns and programs to try and grab people's attention in very noisy digital feeds and email and so on where they're using your product. So just help them understand the value in the product versus email them to say, hey, there's a new feature. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a lot about lifetime value. I expect the other side of this, if we flip the coin is, do you feel that you've also now within marketing got far more impact on the acquisition cost of a customer? And what yep. does that look like? Yeah. Now, it's not a linear journey anymore. We used to try to say, well, marketing has created this lead. It's therefore sourced this pipeline and it's closed and, and we can do a red thread all the way back. It's so hard to do that. So attribution on all those things is really hard. So, of course, we look at the acquisition cost. Some customer acquisition is, you know, solely by marketing. Some is as you sort of go up the pyramid of companies into enterprises, it's very hard to to separate that out because you've got a direct sales organization, a partner organization. You know, the classic thing is your marketing comes in, oh, we've we've acquired this new customer. And the sales say, well, we've been talking to them for five years and we talked to them in this and they came to this and they came to that. So it's really hard. But definitely, I think the language we should be using is much more around those objective data points all the way up the funnel, you know, up and down the funnel from first contact to uh, first commercial agreement, then through to usage and, and renewal. And do you think any of this can be supported by technology? So the idea that we platform within a business so that sales, product, marketing, that data is more available to understand the attribution, as you've said, or is that just the moonshot at the moment that we're aiming for? Well, my experience of working in any of these things where you try and effectively, unintentionally maybe sort of silo the impact of everyone. So classically, this is what marketing's done, this is what sales done, this is whatever. That that doesn't really end well for any organization. So to your question, yes, a platform is needed to understand all that. But I think you just need an all up one view of everything. Pipeline's a good one. I mean, there's other things we can measure. We're just interested in, it. do we have the right pipeline for the business? Not, okay, what's marketing's bit? What's this? Because that gets into a whole... My traffic light's great, your traffic light's bad, you know, and it's not really a sort of teaming kind of discussion. It creates more division. So you know, my, my recommendation, definitely have that all up measure that brings all the functions together, but don't obsess around trying to then divide it all up because ultimately we're just trying to see, you know, how can we move the business forward collectively versus trying to splinter everyone off. We've touched on creating a revenue generation engine to drive growth, and we've talked about route to market too. But these things only work if you've got a team that can execute, and that is not a given these days. John, what do you think is happening in the talent market, and how do you think the next 12 to 18 months look? Being in tech, software, we're in a sort of perfect storm at the moment, which is probably going to explode. There's basically been a lot of high growth, a lot of money come into tech. Money's been cheap for companies to raise. And so there's definitely been a lot of investment in building teams, growing teams, and, and paying for talent. So it's crazy right now in terms of, you know, in, in my sector for the sorts of salaries some companies, you know, want, want to offer, you know, whether they're private equity funded, VC funded or public companies. But of course, what we're seeing right now is a little bit of a meltdown in some companies and, you know, layoffs in big and small organizations as, you know, people have overhired or the typical common theme is things aren't growing as fast as we thought and we have to sort of, you know, trim back a bit and fortunately let some people go. But that hasn't helped so people are moving between all all sorts of companies, and we, you know, we've had a lot of people join. We've had some people 
go and it's the same in every single company. So what's going on right now is there's been companies have had a lot of, you know, a lot of money to, to build in, you know, build in talent. And the only thing I would, I would say is coming back to our discussion around what's needed in marketing is what are they really paying for? You know, when, when, when you take that role and any individual to do their diligence around, you know, effectively, are, do they just want you to go and execute stuff or is it really going to be a, you know, a meaningful experience in, in the business? So a lot of movement, crazy salaries being thrown around. I think that's all going to come to a halt pretty soon. It's not a nice thing to say, but it's true. Good people, really good people are very, very hard to find. And that's not going to change, is it? No, no. And that's always been the case. It's funny, I've written down three things here when we're talking about the sort of talent I look for and curiosity is one that I've had. And I just don't get people who work in marketing who aren't curious about what's happening in marketing because it's so easy, right? I mean, we're not double entry bookkeepers in finance and, you know, we can go in our lives. You know, I want people to bring in what's going on in some of the social channels. Think about those things. The second thing I look for then is is an element of they're happy to take a risk. Risk was a very loaded term in the past. We have to bet all of our budget and cross our fingers. Now we can be testing and learning all the time. So why not try, as crazy as it sounds, a TikTok channel. I don't know. We can try for a few days, spend a bit of money. It doesn't work. No harm to us. We just move on and do something else. If it creates engagement with our audience, why don't we continue with that? And then the final one for me is, based on everything we said, is we always talk about tech. It's, you know, it's become a cliche now. You've got to be comfortable with change to be in this business. We change every month, every quarter, every year. No, it's about, I need people who actually can drive that change. You can bring that curiosity, test and learning to help us evolve the way we're doing things and, and allowing us to change and evolve because it's a competitive game. It's a noisy game, marketing. It's a competitive game and we have to stay ahead and any of that kind of final mile advantage we can get through any of this thinking and you know is, is really what we need to continue to drive and, uh, and, and evolve the business. Wow. Well, guys, on that note, I think I'm going to say that's a wrap for today. Thank you very much indeed, John and Adam, both for your time today. I think it's going to make a really epic show. So thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, what a great interview. We are nearing the end of the show. And as always, there's loads to talk about. So first off, I want to pick up on something John said right at the beginning of the show when we asked him how B2B marketing teams need to evolve in the future. And I think he made three pretty important points. Like from a vendor or an in-house point of view, you need to forward fill your teams with talent. Not something we advocate in the agency world, I hasten to add. It's called a hiring ahead of the curve. But in-house, forward fill your teams with talent. Secondly, identify exactly what they should be measuring and focusing on when it comes to data. And thirdly, always, always have in mind the customer journey. And what I love about the answer is kind of how it runs iteratively, like it's kind of in the order in which you need to establish the process. Get strong talent, tackle the data, and then make sure that those things are working together to make the customer experience as strong as it can. You know, that message is accurate, it's clear, and basically it's a process I think that every marketing team can follow. The second point I want to pick up on from our conversation today was was the importance of place in marketing. And it was great having John on the show because of his experience and his time at Adobe. When we're talking about tech businesses that have dealt with scaling up, there are really few stronger examples uh, than Adobe. And they did some really radical and kind of at the time unpopular things, but you know, in hindsight, super smart. They created a business that today is like really essential for creators and companies all the way up and down the food chain. They found a commercial model that really worked and they've stayed ahead of the market. 
And how did they do that? Well, you heard it already today. They thought about the customer and their point of view. They made it easy. They gave the customer choice and they continued to innovate. You know, it's almost becoming a, a cliche on Unicorny, but we return to the same mantra time and time again. It always comes back to value. And finally, from today's conversation, I want to talk about people. You know, today's episode has specifically been about scaling a B2B tech business. And although there's loads of information people can take away if they want to scale any other kind of business, you know, it's definitely true in tech. Definitely true in other businesses, no more so actually, of course, than in my own. You need the right people and you need the right talent if you want to grow. And if you do want to scale, you're probably better off defining the kind of people that you're looking for. Then you put them in a room together, whether that's virtual or otherwise, and give them freedom to do great work. Even in periods of great uncertainty, that doesn't change. So what a great show. Thank you so much to John Watt for coming in and sharing so much insight with us. And John, I really hope you will come back because we really enjoyed having you in the studio. So thank you. And of course, thank you to the amazing Adam Greener from Digital Radish for sharing hosting duties with me today. Next week on Unicorn, wow, do we have a treat. Oh, I say that all the time. Boy, do we have a treat for you. But we genuinely do. Um, I've got to find a different way of saying that, but really you need to tune in. Next week, we have Nick Eads and Shane Redding in the studio. If you tuned in to the Christmas special, which we released on the 16th of December, you will have heard a soupçon, a little taste of what we're going to talk about. It's a really big subject. It's an existential subject for every marketer. And if you're a CEO or your CFO, you really need to listen to this because they're talking about marketing, the deprecation of marketing and the damage that it does to business i.e. if you do not treat your marketing like a strategic resource, you are going to wind up in trouble. And at the heart of this, maybe, and something we're going to discuss is, is the chief revenue officer eating marketing's breakfast? Tune in next week to find out more. Thank you for listening to today's show. Together, we're building a body of reference to make marketing work better for business. Now, it takes us eight to 10 hours to produce each and every episode of Unicorny. Please take the time to share, rate, and review us. Help us get found and help yourself at the same time because Unicorny is far more than a podcast. It's a community of leading marketing minds and pretty soon we're going to be running events too. If you're interested in joining our community, please get in touch by following the Unicorny page on LinkedIn or connecting to me on LinkedIn. My name is Dom Hawes, H-A-W-E-S. You've been listening to Unicorny with me, Dom Hawes, powered by Selby Anderson, the marketing group that helps complex businesses win the future. Unicorny is conceived and produced by Selby Anderson with creative support from One Fine Play. Nicola Fairley is the executive producer. Connor Foley is the series producer. Kazra Feruzia is the superb audio engineer and editor and the episode is recorded at terminalstudios.co.uk thank you for listening and we will see you in the next one this episode is sponsored by selby anderson the agency group that helps businesses operating in complex markets win the future Selby Anderson's agencies serve global clients in financial services, enterprise tech, channel, industry, utilities, pharmaceutical and biotech. If you want to win the future, find out more at selbyanderson.com.